Take your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, dear ones, we have a twofold goal in this place. I want to do two things, and it's defined very clearly. This is, Jesus made it so simple. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the word life, when he said have life, meant eternal life, Zoe life. Abundant life meant good life on this planet. We have two goals here. I want you to live forever in eternity with Jesus. That's the big one right there. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world if he lost his soul? So my goal is that you know Jesus, you're saved for all of eternity. But my other goal is that you have abundant life on this planet. Contrary to some religious opinion, you don't have to suck eggs and live terrible till you get to heaven. I don't, we don't do just a few more weary days. We rejoice in his goodness. And dear ones, let me tell you something. Eternal life and abundant life, both of those come by something the Bible calls faith. You receive them both by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, the gift of God. Dear ones, faith is the currency that receives what heaven has paid for. If you're going to receive anything from heaven, it's going to be by faith. Everything we get comes by faith. So we're in a series right now called Living by Faith. This is based on 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where the Bible says this, we live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> After you decide to follow Jesus, you need to make another decision. I'm going to live by faith. And we live by faith, not by our emotions. Somebody amen that. We live by faith, not human intellect. We live by faith, not by what everybody else is doing. God have mercy. We live by faith. And dear ones, it's a decision. Every believer has faith. You couldn't be saved if you didn't have faith. There's a big difference in having faith and choosing to live by faith. And we're talking about choosing to live by faith. And this is one of the greatest teaching passages in the Bible on what it means how to choose to live by faith. I've heard people say, well, the number one thing Jesus ever talked about was this, this, or this. You take the four gospels, lay them out on four legal pads. The number one thing Jesus spoke about was faith. And he, brought, he wanted to bring people into faith. And it's his will that people come into faith and live by faith. Now, I got to say this. We're going to talk about problems too. Anybody here ever had a problem in life? Every human being I know is in one of three places. You either wrapping up a problem in the middle of one or headed for your next one. There was life is problems. And if you think following Jesus will get you out of problems, you think backwards. You're going to have problems whether you follow Jesus or not. So get over that. He has given you something to help you with problems and it's called faith. It is our faith that handles our, we handle our problems with. That's what you're going to see in this passage right here. So in this passage, we're talking today about faith and problems and how he helps us. Let's read this passage in Mark chapter four. We're going to begin in verse 35. I started to say, I love this passage, but you're probably tired of hearing that. Mark 4, 35. On the same day when evening came, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. They left the multitude. They took Jesus in the boat as he was of the little boats with him. So it's the end of the day. They've been teaching. They've been helping people. They had a huge, what they call it a lake. We call it a sea. And Jesus said to his guys, get in that boat and let's take that boat. We're going to the other side. They, he didn't tell them why we're going. He just said, we're going to the other side. Obviously, we're going to help folks over there. So they get in this boat and they're traveling. Now listen, it said little boat, but don't think little boat. You know, we think little boat. We think of a little two-man dinghy or John boat. They had 13 people in this boat. So it, could, it just means it wasn't a ship. Pretty good sized boat, maybe 30 feet, a 30 foot fishing boat. So then this boat, 
and they're traveling across this water. All right, verse 37. A great storm arose suddenly and the waves beat into the boat so it was already filling. Now, this is a bad storm right here. You know, we think of a storm as swamping a little boat, a 30-foot boat. That's got to be a pretty big storm to get the water about to sink the boat here. It's a big storm here. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm an offshore fisherman. And I've been in some rough waters. How in the world he slept through that? Stern's the back of the boat. He's back there asleep on a pillow. It's all you can do to hang on in a storm like this. How he slept, I have no idea, but Jesus can do anything. So here he is doing it again. And he's sleeping in the boat. Now watch this. Verse 38. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They woke him and said to him, do you not care that we are dying? That's not how they said it, by the way. So he gets up, he arose, and he rebuked the wind. And he spoke to the sea. Isn't it funny how Jesus is always talking stuff? He spoke to the sea and he said, peace, be still. The wind ceased, great calm. He's dead asleep. And uh, by the way, these are disciples of Jesus. Why are they asking God if he cares about them? Welcome to what storms do to us. So they go in there and they wake him up and say, you don't even care that we're dying. And he looks at them. Now remember, Jesus was the God man. He was all God and all man at the same time. He rubs the sleep out of his eyes. He, gets, he just looks at him. He goes, stop it. Peace. All of a sudden, the wind stops and it, comes like, it becomes like glass. Peace settles. And then he looks back at them. Now, y'all, I'm gonna pretend, let's pretend we hadn't read this before. You know what he did. You know what he did. He hugged him. Group hug. I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I'll never. Oh. He patted them. Yay or nay? Nay. Let's learn something. Verse 40. He said to them, why are you so fearful? Oh, we're just dying. Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith. And then obviously between these two verses, he goes back and lays down and goes back to sleep. Verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to each other, who can this be? The wind and the sea do what he tells them to do. So obviously between those two verses, he turns around, goes back and lays down and they're standing there, dead silence, quiet. Y'all got to remember something. Y'all know more about Jesus than they do at this point in their lives. They don't even know he's the son of God yet. They don't know much of anything. They've just been following him a few months. This guy comes up. All of a sudden he starts traveling. He starts preaching this wild, wonderful message. And not only that, he's just telling crippled people to get up and walk and they're doing it. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's working miracles. And he says to them, y'all come follow. Y'all walk with me. You be my friends. Walk with me. So they're following. They go, let's follow him. Who else can do this? And they're seeing him do this stuff. Remember, they don't know much about him right now. He hadn't revealed himself to them yet. And so they get in this storm. They think we're dying. It's over. He stands up and tells the weather to knock it off and it does it. He lays back down. They look at each other and they say, who have we gotten involved with? (laughs) Who's this guy right here? There was me and you need to be asking the same question. Who is this man we're following right here? They're just stunned. And, uh, Let me make an announcement. This is not in here to help you on a bad fishing day. (laughs) The Bible is God speaking to you. This is in here to teach you what to do when the school calls and says your child's in trouble. This is in here to teach you what to do when the doctor says it ain't good. 
This is in here to teach you what to do when the boss calls you and says you're fired. This is in here to teach you how to handle the storms that come up in life. This is not about offshore fishing. This is about the storms that come up in life. And this will help you right here. This is one of the most helpful passages in the Bible. Number one, can you see clearly Jesus expected faith? Can you see it? You know, they're screaming and dying and he woke up, he rebuked the storm and he said to them, where's your faith? Didn't it? Y'all don't, are y'all mad at him? You wouldn't be if he did this to you. I mean, you're scared spitless, you're hysterical and he won't even hug you. He, don't, he won't even pray for you. He don't tell you it's going to be all right. He just looks at you and says, you ain't got an ounce of faith. You'd, you'd be double hurt then. You'd be mad at him. He expected faith. Can you see it clearly? He expected faith from them. Now, let's go through it again. If you don't get this, you're never going to, if you don't get what I'm fixing to say, you are never going to make it. You've got to know what faith is and where it comes from. If you can't tell me what faith is, and I mean, you've got to nail it. It can't be, I, I feel like we're in trouble. You've got to quote the verse to me. And then you've got to tell me where it comes from. Demons, let's learn these two foundational lessons. This is what faith is, and this is where it comes from. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, what faith is. I have heard some of the craziest things in my life. I heard a preacher say one time, well, faith is, is, he said, see that chair right there? If I sat down in that chair, I believe that chair will hold me. That's faith. And I thought, why does anybody listen to you? That's not faith. That's called a chair. That's called physics. Dear ones, we need to learn to say what the Bible says. We need to say what God says. He's got one thing to say about faith and here's what it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now, what's the first word in faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Anybody here hoping for something? You want your kids to do good? You want your life to be better? You want to have money to pay your bills? Faith is how it happens. Faith gives substance to what you're hoping for. Now look at the second one. It is the evidence of things not yet seen or not seen. Faith is when you know something nobody else knows. Faith is when you can see something nobody else can see. Evidence of things not seen. He said, where's your faith? Why don't you have any evidence of what other people can't see? All right, so you got that? That's the definition of faith. Faith is when you know something other people can't see. Where's it going to come from? He said, Brother Brown, I'm trying to have faith. You fail. You can't create it. It's got to come. Faith, Romans 10, 17. Learn this. Memorize this. Romans 10, 17. Faith can only come from one place. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Faith is when you know something other people can't see and you got it from God's Word. That's faith. And he expected them to have that. Now the question, turn back with me to Mark chapter 4. Let's find out why he expected them to have faith. All right, I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 4. He expected them to have faith. Let me show you why. Mark chapter 4, let's look back in verse 35. I want you to see this in your Bible. Mark 4, 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said, who is he? Is he God? Is God fixing to speak? Watch what God says. God said to them, let us cross over to the other side. What did God say was going to happen? He said, we're going to the other side. The word of God said, we are going to the other side. Why did they say we're going to die if God said we're going to the other side? Why should they have had faith? 
because God spoke to them. And God told them, you go going to the other side. They had the proof, the substance of what they were hoping. They had the evidence of things you couldn't see during the storm. And he expected them to do what? I listen, they heard the word of God. He expected them to believe what God said in the storm. Above the storm. And he expected them to do what? Rest in it. Rest in it. That was that's all faith is right there. It's hearing what God says about a situation, believing what he says, and setting down. Settles it. I saw a dumb bumper sticker not long ago. I see a lot of dumb ones. I saw pretty, well, this ain't got nothing to do with preaching, but I saw a pretty cool one. It said, uh, my juvenile delinquent beat up your honor student. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I saw one said, my boxer's smarter than your honor child. I thought that was pretty good. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get on that. But I saw this bumper sticker and it said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That is not correct. God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. <laughs> but it would be nice if you would have said it for you if you'll believe it. Amen. All righty. Listen to me carefully. Rest on his promise. He expected faith because he'd given him. There I go. I still love my veterans. All right. Number four. Number three. I'm going to tell you something. There are four things that faith refuses to do. If you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to choose. I am not going to do that. Are you with me? Four things faith refuses to do. You can see this from Genesis to Revelation. And there are four things you've got to decide you're not going to do. Number one, faith never listens to emotions and feelings. Faith is not, what were emotions saying in that boat? Their emotion, what emotion was it? Does anybody know? Well, they told them, fear. They were scared to death and they were acting out of their emotions instead of on God's word. Now, you got emotions, I got emotions. They're wonderful if they're managed right, but emotions drive you nuts. Emotions lie. Emotions do not line up with God's truth. And if you're going to live by faith, you're going to have to make up your mind. I do not listen to my emotions. I'm talking with a young girl not long ago. She'd gotten her heart broke by some boy. God probably did her a favor and ran him off. And uh, she said, I'm not going to go through. She said, I'm just in my emotions right now. And it's not right. And I said, you are very smart for your age to recognize that. You need to tell your emotions, stand down. God's word calls the shots here. Faith will never listen to emotions or feelings. <laughs> this stuns me that believer, guess what believers should do? They should believe. Amen. It stuns me that believers will say to me, I just feel like, I just feel, I just feel. And I think, why do you stand there and feel yourself? Why are you feeling yourself? Number two, faith refuses to listen to human logic and human reason and human understanding. I heard another dumb thing not long. I'm hearing a lot of dumb things these days in my land. I heard this man say this. See what you think about this. He said, Brother Brian, God gave us a brain and he expects us to use it. That's about the dumbest thing as I ever heard. <laughs> like I can think with the living God. No, no, no. He gave you a book and he expects you to believe it. You say, well, why did he give us a mind if he don't want us to lean on it? You are to renew your mind to the word of God. Listen to me. I'm sorry, don't listen to me. Listen to somebody a whole lot bigger than me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Should I be screaming like a fool right now or sleeping? In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What do you just tell you to do with human logic and intellect and reason? 
kick it to the curb. God's word is supra rationale over human logic. Aren't you with me? Faith won't listen to what it thinks. Number three, faith refuses to listen to people. Faith refuses to let the other folks around them tell them how to live. These boys got caught up in mass hysteria. One of them said, we're going to die. Next thing you know, all of them screaming, we're going to die. Can I point something out to you? There was 13 people in that boat. One Jesus, 12 not normal people. You had Jesus, 12 disciples, 13 people in that boat. There were four experts in that boat. Experts on sailing and boatsmanship. Because remember, the first four people Jesus ever called were commercial fishermen. They lived on that water. They lived in them boats. They knew storms. They knew about boats. They knew what boats could stand. What did the four experts say about the situation? We died. Experts are not always right. Jesus was not an expert in boatsmanship. Jesus was a preacher. How many of you know the experts can be wrong and the preacher can be right? That's pretty good right there. Let me remind you about experts. I said same bunch was telling me the earth was flat just a few days ago. All right. You don't even listen to the experts. Don't listen to what people say around you. Why would you call your best friend and ask her what to do about your marriage? She's been divorced five times. You don't, she don't know about marriage. Why would you ask people who don't know when you've got a God who knows? Mystery to me. Good gracious, Dr. Phil ain't near as smart as Dr. Jesus. All right. Number four, faithful, never look at the circumstances. It's going to focus on the word. Circumstances will scare you spitless, just like they did them. And if you focus on them, they will destroy your faith. Faith is built by looking at the word of God. It's destroyed by looking at your circumstances. That faith will only look at the word. Now, number three, listen to me. Faith is going to live by, faith has decided, I'm going to live by what God says. A real famous man said something one time, and I'm going to quote him. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I want to hear what God has to say about my marriage. I want to hear what God has to say about my health. I want to hear what God has to say about my future. I want to hear what he's got to say about my family. I don't want to hear what CNN's got to say about my country. I don't want to hear what Fox has got to say about my country. I want to hear what God's got to say about the future. Faith decides it's going to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You don't have to be smart. You just have to make up your mind. It's that simple. Faith has made that decision. Now, if faith comes by the word, listen to me carefully. No word, no faith. N-O word, N-O faith. But listen to me carefully. No word, you'll know faith. K-N-O-W to word, you will K-N-O-W faith. Are you understanding this? I wrote in my Bible years ago, a Bible that's fallen apart belongs to a man who is not. We have got to get out of the Facebook and get our faces back in this book and find out what he's got to say about it. We've got to hear what the Bible has to say about this thing. All righty? Now, I want to pull some out to you, Mark 4. The enemy who despises you and loves to destroy your family, he knows what I'm talking about this morning. He knows that God delivers people through his word. What's the number one thing he's trying to do in your life? Separate you from God's word. Let's read it. It's in Mark chapter 14. Separate you from God's word. Mark 14, Mark 4, excuse me, Mark 4, back in Mark 4, verse 14. Mark 4, 14. I want you to see this. The Bible said, and it's talking about sowing and planting. The sower sows the word of God. Did Jesus sow the word into those disciples before they got in that boat? He'd tell them what God said. It was God sent you his word 
Now look in verse 15. These are people by the wayside. The word has been given. They hear the word. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word. Tell me what he's trying to do in your life. Steal the word of God from you. He wants to separate you. Even in Christian circles today, we've become a wordless faith. Well, there's no faith. A wordless religion. We've replaced the word of God with music and Bible studies and Christian pottery classes. Don't bother trying to explain to me. Dear ones, all of life comes out of the word of God. If the enemy can separate you from God's word, he's got you. So you can rest assured he's going after one thing. He's going after God's word. You can sit down and try to watch. You're tired of sitting and watching movies. Watch it for two hours. Pick up the Bible. Try to read. You'll be asleep in two minutes. Guess who's behind that? Just thought I'd ask for free. All right. Steals the word. Number four. I want you to look at me in Mark chapter four. There are two things that can never coexist. What are the two things that can never be together? Let's read it. Mark chapter four, verse 40. Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful, fear? How is it you have no faith? Tell me the two things that can never be in the same place. Fear and faith. Dear ones, where there's fear, there can be no faith. Where there's faith, fear is gone. And let me tell you about fear and faith. Both of those things are very important. Both of them are currency. You buy things with both of them. Faith is the currency of heaven. If you want to get saved, you're going to receive it through faith. Jesus paid for everything. Jesus paid for your family to be blessed at the cross. In Christ, atonement is every blessing of Abraham upon us. He became a curse for us so that the curse could be broken over our lives completely. Jesus paid it all, but you receive it by faith. If your family is going to be blessed, you're going to make it happen by faith. Listen to this. Be it unto you according to your faith. If you're going to go to heaven, it'll be by faith. If you're going to pay your bills, it's going to be by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Now listen to me carefully. Fear is the currency of hell. Satan can't do anything in your life till he causes you to fear it first. God Almighty can't do anything for you until you exercise faith, until you believe him. Satan can't do anything to you till he can get you afraid of it. I want you to listen to the book of Job. The thing that I feared came upon me. The way God blesses you is to get you to have faith in what he says. The way Satan destroys you is to get you to be afraid of what he says. I hear people say, I'm scared I'm going to get cancer. You keep believing for it and watch what happens. Scared my kid's going to get on drugs. Just a matter of time. Let let me help you here. Fear will destroy your life. Faith will save your life. Tim, the two things in that verse can never coexist. Fear and faith can never be together. Now listen to me. He did not say don't feel fear. You can't help but feel fear. Sometimes fear runs all over me. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to let it tell me how to act and I sure ain't going to talk in fear. You can speak faith with your knees knocking together. You can look right into the face of fear and say, you are a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You ain't telling me how to act. You can act in faith while fear is all over you, the feeling. Just whatever you do, do not speak in fear. The fear of death came on those guys in that boat. What'd they say? We are going to die. How many of you know it's a good thing Jesus was in that boat? They'd all died because they said it. Do you see what fear does to us? 
How many of you believe Jesus cares about you? then why did the very apostles wake God up and say, you don't care what's happening to us? No faith. Right. I'm telling you, it rises and falls on this thing. Those two things can never coexist. Yes. All righty. Let me ask you a question. Where can you find truth today? Even pagans are saying we're liars today. I mean, the media has lost it. It's hard to find truth today. Yeah. Every person needs to know where truth comes from. Let me say something. I hope this shocks the bejeebers out of you. Look that word up, bejeebers. <laughs> survey after survey tells us 80 plus percent of Americans now say there is no such thing as truth. When I ask, do you believe in absolute truth? 80 plus percent of Americans say no. There's no absolute truth. Here's what the standard in our nation is. I decide truth. What's good for me might not be, what's right for me might not be right for you. In other words, there's no truth. There's no absolute truth. It's called relativism. It means that just, you know, whatever is relative to the moment. Let me make an announcement. There is truth. Where are you going to find truth today? You're going to find it in the news media. How about politicians? You think they'll tell you the truth? Dear ones, Make, listen to this verse. Make their lives wonderful by your truth. Your word is truth. You will know the truth. You better know where to find truth. Today. Let me tell you where you're going to find it. You're going to find it in God's word. It is the eternal truth of the ages. Let me point back to my experts again. Why are we listening to experts? Now, experts may not be wrong, but they're not complete. Right, what's the cool thing? What's the hip thing today? What does everybody say? This makes you look real smart today. We follow the science. We follow the science. Well, there's no, I thank God for science. I'm healthy because of science. Science has created some wonderful stuff. Science is not the final word. This is the final word. Let me remind you again, some scientists told me the earth was flat a few days ago. They were doing the best they could. Let me come a little closer. It was just a few years ago, a doctor named Lister, Dr. Lister said, I think I know why so many people are dying. And Dr. Lister said, we got invisible bugs on us. And them invisible bugs are killing people. And he said to surgeons, you're killing people because you operate on this person and you go operate on this person without washing your hands and the invisible bugs are on your hands. And science scorned him. They called him a fool and mocked him until a man further developed something called a microscope. And guess what they saw under that microscope? They saw them bugs. Of course, we call them germs. All of a sudden, Dr. Lister became a hero and science became wrong. And he developed anti... How many of you got a memorial to Dr. Lister in your bathroom right now? Listerine. And he developed antiseptics. Here's, here's my point. Science is not nutty. They just not complete. God is truth. Let me make it now. He who created the universe understands it. And you need to make up your mind. If I'm going to find truth, it's going to be in this book right here. All righty. Bless their dear hearts. All right, here, I'm going to ask you a question. What difference would living by faith make in your life? Those 13 people in that boat, were they all saved? Yeah, they're all following. I mean, every one of them was disciples. Jesus was saved. Those 13 people in that boat, were they followers of Jesus? Every single one of them. Did they obey God? Every single one of them. He said, get in the boat. They did it. Can you see a slight difference in their lives? Do you notice one of them was at rest and enjoying the trip? And the other three were scared, spitless, screaming? 
What a difference faith makes in our lives. You can be a follower of God, going to heaven, wanting to obey Jesus, and your life still be like a scrambled egg. It's not being saved that gives you a great life. It is faith. It is hearing God's word and believing it. Real quick, I'm going to give you three advantages of choosing to live by faith, should you so choose to do so. Number one, a life of rest. You can live your life resting about the future. Uh, there was, Jesus was asleep in the boat. Everything in the Bible has significance. And all through the Bible, sleep or rest is a picture of faith. Hebrews chapter three and four, we won't take time to look at it, say this. We who have chosen to believe do enter into God's rest. When you've decided you can believe, you can sit down and relax. Do you remember when God brought the first man, a woman? Remember when God brought, his, brought Adam, his wife? Yes. What do you remember about that? He had to go to sleep, which is a picture of I'm going to quit trying and wait on God. And he said, I've told him many a person, God's not going to bring you a mate because you look and you're going to find something you wish you hadn't had about 10 years from now. Turn your motor off and wait on God to bless you. That's called faith. And uh, a lot of them came back 12 years later and said, you knew what you're talking about. I said, no, I just got it out of the Bible. <laughs> Number two, a life of peace. A life of faith is a life of peace. What's everybody looking for today? A lot of alcohol sales gone through the roof in the last two years. A little micro clip here. I'm in the convenience store one day near our house, a little corner store. Lady jerked that door up. She said, I'm going to kill SOB. I thought, it's just me and the clerk there. I don't know which one it was. I was hoping she wasn't referring to neither one of us because I like Nick. She went over and she just got armfuls of alcohol, whiskey, I'm mean, not whiskey, the beer. And later on, she said, I'm going to get something to drink. I'm going to kill him. I said, we've been cooped up. This looks like we're cooped up around here. No, we've been together too long. Alcohol sales are sore in the last few couple of years. So it was because of people want peace. There was there something. I'm not fussing at you if you drink. I'm just telling you, faith brings peace. Amen. And you can live a life of peace if you have faith. Now, let me ask you a question according to scripture. See if you know the Bible. Did Jesus ever prom did your God ever promise you a storm-free life? No. You need to get off that jag. There is no storm-free life. Matter of fact, looks to me, what got him in the storm? Doing what he told him to do. Right. That's right. Following Jesus got them in a storm. Yeah. I love storms. <laughs> Thank you for another chance to prove that your word works. True. All right, he didn't promise you a storm-free life, so get over it. Yeah. Quickly, hurry, quickly, quickly. Did he promise you a worry-free life? <laughs> yes, he did. What do you think the man meant when he said, be worried for nothing? but in everything. By prayer and supplication with a grateful heart, you tell God what's going on in your life, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest as a believer when I don't care what's going on around you. By the way, you think that storm was a natural weather event or you think that storm was satanic? Well, what did Jesus do to it? He rebuked it. What's well, the only thing Jesus ever rebuked? The powers of hell. That storm came from hell to destroy him and destroy them. Dear ones, you can't stop the storms, but you can sleep through them. This is his promise of faith and life in ours. And can you say where he promised a fear-free life? Can I just ask you a personal question? What would your life be like if there were no fear in it? What if you never ask the question again, what do they think about me? That's fear. What if, you, what if you were never afraid of failing? 
What if you were never afraid of anything? You know what we'd call that? Freedom. Freedom. You say, all right, let me help you. I'm teaching on this subject several years back one night and a lady came up to me and she said, now pastor. And she's one of them dear old saints. She told me she'd been in the way for 60 years. I could not agree more. <laughs> Shouldn't said that. And um, she said, now, you know, you just can't help but worry and be afraid about stuff. And I said, yes, ma'am. Amen. He said, why didn't you straighten her out? Be it unto her according to her faith. She's going to live like that. I'm not going to live like that. Now, don't misunderstand me. That don't mean you don't get in some tight spots. That don't mean it don't jump on you first thing every morning sometimes. I'm going to tell you something. I sleep like a baby. I mean, why not? I'm old. <laughs> what have I got to do? Saturday nights are rough for me. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But Saturday nights are a battle for me. Not this past. Now, last night was pretty good. Saturday night a week ago, I was awake every hour with the demonic. Four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and the demonic was all over me. I sat up in bed and I said, get out of this room. Doesn't mean you're going to go through some tight spots. And I just thought to myself, why is it always Saturday night? (laughs) This ain't the good ship lollipop, Bubba. Why do you think he gave you a sword so you could stick it in your martini? No. Stick it in the devil's ears, what it's for. All right, one more. If you choose to walk by faith, you have the blessing of certainty and confidence about the future. Brother Brown, nobody knows what the future holds. You look right here, I do. He has told me, we're going to the other side. Let me tell you about my life. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And then when I croak, I upgrade. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Son, I can't wait to get there. It's just going to be wonderful. Uh, I got to hurry up and finish my course with joy so I can taste real joy. My bills are going to be paid. I'm going to live healthy. I'm going to be as strong at 85 as I was at 40. I'm going to be agitating religious people till the day I fall over. I know the future. You think so? No, no, no. I know so. This is not, this is not hard. It's a decision. I've decided to believe what the man says. All righty. Let me just throw this out here. You believe there's still miracles today? Why not? I can't find anything in there that says, I don't love y'all as much. I'm only 50% now. I don't find that anywhere in there. I find he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Should you decide to choose to live by faith, I want you to do something. You got to make a decision. And it is a decision. Secondly, you've got to learn the word. You, you can't have faith if you don't know the word of God. You got to find out what this book says about your life. You got to find out what this book says about freedom and, and fearlessness and hope. You got to find out what this book says about your family. You got to find out what this book says about your finances. You got to find out what this book says about friends. You got to find out what the book says because there's no faith apart from that. And then listen to me. You got to practice it. Amen. You, you, you start down here, dear ones. Listen to what the Bible says. I'm going to show you in a second. Faith has to grow. True. I find people trying to believe beyond their faith. You can't do that. You got to grow your faith. That's right. All right. The Bible says we walk by faith. How many of y'all walk? Amen. How many of you had to learn? Amen. How many of you remember when you started? 
You know, you know, you're too young. You don't remember that. Let me tell you when you started. You didn't do that good to start with. I, we had three youngest, my oldest, my son. I mean, my youngest, my son. Uh, he didn't start walking when he was supposed to. I'm not sure who wrote when supposed to is, but mama got it in her that he wasn't walking when he's supposed to, so she took him to the doctor, having him examined. Well, the doctor found out what was wrong. Said he's lazy. <laughs> Said when he gets ready, he'll start walking. Case cured. Don't need medicine for that. You can't, there's no medicine for lazy. And uh, I'll never forget it. He decided finally one day, I think he's the fourth grade, he's going to start walking. <laughs> he finally decides he's going to start walking. Well, you know how this goes with your children. Remember this? They, they take like one step and fall over. We video that and send it to grandma. I'll put it on Facebook and all that mess. Child's walking. No, he didn't. He fell down. <laughs> then they take two steps and, and then and they're clumsy. They look like a drunk with overcoat on. You're just, you understand what I'm saying? You have to learn how to walk. Amen. Well, he didn't fall down. I said, take him back to the hospital. We ain't having He learned how. Then he got to where he was running cross country. He got to where he could run. Don't you understand the Bible teaches this about faith? You got to take the first step of faith. You got to start practicing what God's shown you. And you might stumble. You'll feel awkward. Demons will mock you when you try to walk by faith. Tell them to stick it in their ear. Nothing. You want to aggravate the enemy. Walk by faith. And guess what? As you practice it, it grows. You get better and better at it. And what blew you away last Thursday won't bother you next Tuesday. Maybe not that fast, but I said for the illustration's sake, what wiped you out last year will encourage you this year. And then you get to a place where the Bible talks about your faith start carrying other people. You said, just get on my shoulders. All right, I'm going to quote this to you. This is a great verse to look up sometimes. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. We thank God for you, brethren, because your faith grows exceedingly. Now, don't you listen to what I'm fixing to say. Jesus always ranked people's faith. He told them where their faith was. He said to the disciples in that boat, where'd he put their faith at? He said, you have no faith. Mark chapter nine, a man had a little bit of faith. But you know what Jesus said? All I need is mustard seed. He told those in Thessalonica, your faith is growing exceedingly, but there were two people in the Bible, only two. And Jesus said to them, you have great faith. See where it starts out? No, little, growing. You got to grow your faith. And if you'll practice it, it'll grow. A centurion who wasn't even a follower of God had a servant that was sick. He sent word to Jesus, said, would you please come pray for my servant? Jesus said, I'll come. Jesus said, no, no, no. You don't need to come to my house. You just say the word. And if God says it, it'll happen. And Jesus stopped. He said, my own people don't have that kind of faith. I've not found such great faith in Israel. What was faith? You don't have to come down here. You don't have to show me nothing. If you say it, it's done. The other was a woman that we'd caught. She was from what is now Lebanon. She wasn't a follower of God either. Her daughter was terribly demonized. And she went to Jesus. She said, I need for you to help my daughter. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do it. And she said to Jesus, yes, you are. Read it. You think I'd offended him? He said, woman, great is your faith. She's well. I want you to reach that point where it, just, it don't, God said it, it's going to happen. Period. My emotions lie. My head lies. My neighbors lie. The experts lie. God tells the truth. That's faith right there. And as you exercise it, it grows. And it's fun. I'm telling you, it's fun. 
And of course, as your faith grows, guess what happens? You're sleeping instead of screaming. You're enjoying your life instead of thinking you're going to die. You're just celebrating the love of God instead of wondering why he don't care about you. We want to get that point. Quick with a quick test, quick testimony here. I love faith. Faith is my thing. I think faith is the game changer. Let me tell you why I love faith. Three reasons. I love the challenge. I am not hiding in a bunker waiting for the next hell to happen to me. I, I love I, life is storms, Bubba. I love being in a storm. I just, I lo- you know, I'm an offshore fisherman. I love being out there when it's rough. I don't want to get killed. I've been close a few times. The rougher, the better for me. Worst time I was ever in, several years back, me and some buddies, we went fishing and the, we're not, not that big a boat, 24, 25 feet. Went about 60 miles offshore. Had the best time. Coming back in, I looked out there and miles, just a few miles in front of us, it looked like a black curtain had been dropped on the ocean. I said, and the man's cat, I said, Captain, I said, what's that? He said, that's a storm. I said, I'm a preacher. I knew that. I said, it's bad, isn't it? He says, real bad. We got in that storm, worst I've ever been in. I mean, it looked like we wasn't going to make it. Glass broke in the boat, screws backed out of the boat. It was so bad, beating us to death. I'm up here in the front with the captain. Stay close to the captain. <laughs> My couple of buddies, they're back there hanging on for dear life. I'm up there. I had the best time. I mean, if you didn't hang on with both hands, you'd have been thrown out. It was wonderful. <laughs> Having the best time out there. And I, and I just enjoyed the ride. You know why? I could see the face of the captain. Yes. I kept looking at him over there. I can tell by that man's face, this is a bad storm, but I'll have no trouble getting us through this. As long as I wasn't looking at the storm, that thing would have scared me spitless. I sure sure wasn't looking at my buddies. They was green. They was texting their wives, I love you. Don't pay no attention to them folks. But I could see in that captain, I could see, this is tough, but I could see it in his face. We're going through this thing. And I thought, if we're going through it, I might as well enjoy the ride. We're having the best time. I'd do it again if I could. I'm not sure I'd set that up. And guess what? I'm here. Amen. We got back. Yep. Listen to me. Get your eyes off the crap around you. True. Quit looking at the people that are screaming. Get your face turned towards your captain. Get it on this word. Let it settle in everything that comes up in your life. When the school calls, the doctor calls, the bank calls, you need to stop and ask yourself, what does God say about this? I appreciate what they got to say, but it's not the final word till you've heard what God's got to say. I love the adventure and the challenge. I love the freedom. I like sleeping when other people are screaming. I like being at peace when everybody else is scared spitless. <clears throat> I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm going to say it. If you're going to walk by faith, plan on Christians being mad at you. I said, you got to be kidding me. And then I read in Numbers 14, where Caleb stood up and told the whole crowd, why are you crying? God said he'd do it, he'll do it. And they said, let us stone him. You going to kill a man who walks by faith? Well, bless their dear hearts, we're going to love them anyway. Just plan on folks not understanding you. But listen to me, don't lose no sleep over that neither. And then last of all, I love the results of faith. God Almighty bankrupt heaven and nailed his son to a cross to give you a great life. Amen. It's there. Yep. It'll be by faith or it won't happen. True. Amen. We are a faith people who serve a faith God. Yep. 
who has given us faith to reach heaven. If you're going to work on something, quit trying not to cuss. You ain't doing so good anyway, are you? Grow your faith. By the way, cussing disappears and faith grows up. Dear Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. You have given us, your word says you've given us everything that pertains to life. You died so we could have an abundant life. You, you died to open heaven's door for every human being. The most vile, evil, crook sinner could experience eternal life if they would just put faith in you. You died to bless every human being. The curse is broken. The blessing is here. It's within arm's reach. Lord Jesus, you stepped down to the earth and you said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's available. Reach out your hand by faith and lay hold of everything he promised. I pray for everybody in this room. Lord Jesus, stir their faith up by the word of God. Thank you that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. We need to hear your word. We need to hear people speak the word to us. And I want to praise you and thank you for that. Thank you so much. Dear Jesus, I don't want to get to heaven and say, shoot, look what could have happened. I want to enjoy everything you died to give. We love you with all of our hearts because you've loved us with all of yours. We give you all the praise and glory because you're so wonderful. Lord Jesus, thank you. You have spoken your word. When the storm comes tomorrow, I thank you and praise you that everybody in this room will say, not God don't care about me, we're dying. They will say, we are going to the other side. God's going to get us through this. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.